I am from beyond. Listen, and all you desire will be yours. Welcome to Spider-Man and the Secret Wars. Prepare for battle. May I introduce an Amazon of the comic book industry? It is Amy Chu! I am 5'3", so I don't consider myself an Amazon. <laughs> really. You've got the heart and spirit of an Amazon. That's right. That's, that's right. right. That's, yeah. where, that's where it counts. That's where it now, does everyone have a beer? Because I feel like this is a, a culture. Like, like the bar opened at 11. I'm like, how is that even possible? So, so I think we should all be at this point. I've got, I've got mine here. I already so. got was, two. Was that not part of your welcome pack? No, I got two beers already by, by noon. I already had two beers on my table. I've never, I've never had a convention like that before. So. Welcome to the north of England. Yeah, I like it. This is what we do. This is our thing. So, Amy, welcome. How are you finding the convention? Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, a... I mean, not just because it's here, but any free convention always brings in a different crowd. And it's always mm. nice because it's typically the first convention for somebody. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, it's and it, that, those are the most fun for me because people are like, oh, my gosh, there's comics. Yeah. And then there's, I'm making them. And, you know, it's it's always very nice. It's amazing. And I think, I think that's the that's one of the unspoken rules about comics. Every every comic is everybody's first comic yes, as well. And you, yes. have to, you have to remember that when creating one as well. Um, do you remember your first comic? I get asked this question a lot, and no, I don't, actually. Okay. <laughs> um, only because... Do you want to make up an answer? <laughs> I should make up an answer, but that would be that would be telling a lie. Yeah. Because um, the, the truth is, I had to ask my mom about this. It's not like we didn't read comics. Mm. It's just that they were really all over the place. And I asked my mom, why is it that we did not read comics? Mm. And she said, well, we had no money. We had no money. That's a good reason. So anytime she was able to buy something, it's, you know, she's buying us dinner, not comics. Yeah. So if we had any comics, it was just like, you know, occasional issue here and there. Mm. Um, I'm sure we read a bunch of things like any Disney, Donald Duck. I seem to remember reading some Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. And I think I read some Conan because I was trying to remember, <laughs> you know, because it was probably really inappropriate for my age. But I'm flipping through and there's like some really dreadful volcano scenes and things and, you know, scantily clad women. You know, I don't know. Standard, standard <laughs> Conan stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so no, I don't remember. I okay. do remember when I first started appreciating comics. Okay, tell us um, about that. And that was in college. So, um, I was not raised on superhero comics. We didn't have any of that lying around. Um, but when I went to college, so I went to MIT. And MIT, at that time, you know, comics was kind of more of a geeky thing, I guess. Yeah, still is. Know? Still very much is. Oh, but, you know, at MIT, it's not, you see. <laughs> Everybody reads comics at MIT. <laughs> so they were everywhere. In fact, there was a comic book store in the student center. That's the kind of, you know, right? So, um, so it was kind of weird that I did not read comics. So I was dating a guy at the time at an MIT fraternity. And MIT fraternities, by the way, I don't know if you have the same system here, fraternity. Not, American not sure, fraternities yeah. have a reputation like Animal House. But MIT fraternities <laughs> are entirely different. I don't know if you saw that hack that recently happened where they covered the top of the dome with the Captain America shield. No, I don't think oh, I saw that. No, that? I didn't see that. That's like the best ever. So the, 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 the tradition at MIT is, of course, you know, it's a tech school is to do what they call, it's a tradition of hacks. It's not hacking a computer system. Hacking usually involves a physical prank, which is essentially, because you actually have to break into the dome to get to the top of the dome. And you have to have a certain amount of engineering 
know-how to get, you know, so in the past, they've done stuff like taking um, a campus police car, disassembling it, taking it up to the top <coughs> of, of the dome and just leaving it there, you know, and it, it somewhat infuriates the administration, but it's also really funny. Uh, and they have not done that for a while. And then, uh, so just recently, it made the news that another team of, I used to know people like that. They were basically, it's very covert, but you have to have a specific know-how. So they, they, they basically covered the dome with the Captain America shield. So, you know, there's some great visuals wow. of that. Yeah. So um, my point being is it's kind of a geeky campus. Mm. and um, You were the cool one. <laughs> no, no, it was not cool at all. No, no but I was at that time... The male-female ratio there was um, 80% men, you know. So it doesn't matter if I'm cool. I'm female, <laughs> right? So, um, and that, uh, anyway, so I was dating this guy at the fraternity. So you're, you're getting much more of my personal background. It's good. It's good. It was actually, uh, so I actually wrote this story because I, I very rarely do autobiographical, but it is a kind of funny story. Um, so I was dating this guy at um, this fr MIT fraternity. Like I said, they do mostly stuff like that. They don't go and drink and do, you know, do normal stuff. They, they, they plot how to rewire your room when you leave from class. And you come back and you turn the light switch and it turns off something else. <clears throat> so that is the MIT culture. Anyway, I was dating this guy and he had a long box of comics. Long box of comics. And this is the first time I've seen a long box of comics, by the way. And I start pulling them out. And I'm like, these are really great comics. They're not superhero comics. They're all like John Sable, Grimjack, yeah. American Flag. They're, uh, the, the, the imprint is called First Comics from back in the day. Some of you might be familiar with it. And I just remember them because I basically read through the whole box one summer. And I thought they were amazing. And I never bought comics again. It's just, you know, I graduated, did other things. And... Um, and it's only when a friend of mine... Am I getting too far ahead here? No, no, this go is ahead. Like the, no, my this first is comics were really kind of first comics. So I'm going to tell you a funny story, since I guess this is my show, right? It is, I have all the time is. in the world. So I don't <laughs> normally get enough time to tell this story. So when I got into comics, largely because I was trying to help a friend of mine, she wanted to write comics. She was the writer. I have a business background. So uh, when she asked me, do you know anything about comics? I'm like, I do remember from back in the day, I read all these great comics. So I know a little bit about it, uh, but I have more of a business background. So she wanted to write the comics, but she didn't really know how to publish them. I'm like, I will figure it out. How hard can this be? You write the script, we'll hire some artists, we'll do the whole thing, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, needless to say, I got sucked in. So I ended up writing, and now here I am. But so I get asked this question when I was trying to help her, to me, when you're trying to help somebody, you need to learn the industry. So I started going to conventions like this in the U.S. I went to Baltimore Comic Con. Baltimore is one of the larger ones, not super big. But what they do is they have an award ceremony. It's the Harvey Awards. And I'm like, I'm new in the business. I don't know anybody. Where are the pros going to be? They're going to be at the Harvey Awards. So I bought myself a ticket to the Harvey Awards, you know, for the series. Yeah, yeah. I thought that made complete sense, right? Yeah, sure. Because most people at our stage, when you try to start self-publishing and breaking in comics, what you normally do is you go get a table. You go rent a table so you can be at the convention, and then you pull out your comic and you try to like sell it to everybody. Like, well, we really don't have anything going, and I can see how hard it is to sell the comics. I'm going to take the table class. I'm just going to go to this fancy party. Mm -hmm. uh, apparently, no one does that. <laughs> I thought it made perfect sense, right? Because how am I going to network? I'm not going to network by just sitting at my table trying yep. to hustle my comic. I'm going to go where the pros are. So I get there, 
And they're like, oh, okay, so they hand me my table numbers, table number one. Table number one, I'm like, oh, they put me at the head table because they didn't know what to do with me. At the award ceremony, what typically happens is that one of your artists or writers is up for a nomination, so the publisher buys a whole table. So that's what usually happens, is that your Dark Horse or your Marvel, whoever, you buy the table for people and you sit there. But everyone had bought tables on one person, so the only table I could sit at was a head table where the people were being honored. So I sit down and I'm like, oh my God, I'm sitting at the head table. And they're all like, what's your story? I'm like, well, I'm just trying to get into comics. We're trying to make female-friendly comics. You know, and they're like, well, so what was your first comic? Mm. I'm like, I had to do yeah, the yeah. whole thing over again. And they start laughing at me. They're like, do you even know who we are? Because they were like guests, the guest of honor for the evening. Right. It is, um, so you're going to laugh. It is Mike Gold, who is the publisher of First Comics. And across from it was Mike Grell, who did John Sable. But they, that was so long ago that people don't necessarily remember who they are. So they, they, they're, they're laughing their asses off because it's very rare. And I cannot lie. That's, you know, I was re actually I was having trouble remembering everything. And so, so that's what happened. So this is kind of a long way of talking about what my first comics was because they were first comics. Yeah. And because of that, Mike Grill and Mike Gold were like, anything you need you know, to get started, because that was like the best story they heard all night. <laughs> so, you know, because this is my show, I was able to tell you this whole story. But, okay, since we have all the time, and it is my, and there's yeah. no one else talking. No. So fast forward, because of that, they never really, they helped me in encouraging me, which is really important. You know, Michael, when I got my first Wonder Woman story, he used to be an editor for Wonder Woman. And so he sent me a very nice note saying that it's very rare that someone can get Wonder Woman like that in a short story on their first try. So that was very encouraging to me. Huge. huge. And then I did a, um, I did a signing in a Harvard Square, my first signing, uh, which was for a Vertigo book. And then one of my friends comes up, and she was like, I didn't know, it was this college friend, I didn't know that you were into comics, you know? She went to Wellesley, all women's college. So I did a dual degree, by the way. I did MIT and Wellesley College. I knew her from Wellesley. And we were both dating the same guys in the same fraternity. And I was telling her, well, I didn't really read comics, but I did read those, remember those guys who were dating in that long box? And she starts laughing. She's like, that was my long box. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually owe my career to her. Wow. Oh, great. What a great story that is. Yeah, so, and again, I don't normally get to tell this story, but, you know. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, that's, that was a heck of an answer for what was your first comic, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and she still has her poll list. She makes her husband go get her comics, yeah. you know, she's like a dark heart. Awesome. Yeah. So, so, um, so as, as I'm aware that you, you got into comics quite late then? Yes, quite Clearly, late. Quite late. Quite late. So, I mean, so how, how old... How old <laughs> <laughs> How old were you when you kind of started kind of publishing, oh, yeah. so the, I don't writing, normally talk about thing. this, but now I'm established. I, I yeah. feel less worried about it because mm. it is an ageist industry for sure. Oh, yeah. um, but um, so put it this way, I, I, I am younger than Madonna, but I'm older than um, Gwen Stefani. So, okay. um, so I am, I'm 51. Um, I started when I was 43, not knowing anything about comics other than that long box. Yeah. So, so I have gone through a couple career changes already before doing this. Mm. So I have a whole, actually, I don't know if they're still my friends because I don't talk to anybody outside comics anymore because, you know, they're like, well, what's going on with you? I'm like, I don't know, but I'm just doing it. Um, but I have a bunch of non-comics people who are, who are 
who are following this with extreme fascination because mm-hmm. it's I, I do think it's kind of rare to be able to do a career pivot like this. Yeah, it's so quite, quite, extreme, quite an extreme pivot as well. Yeah, right? you know, I mean, at this age, you know, people think we're dead. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, past 50, what do, you, what do you have to live for? Nothing, apparently. So. Your main thing is kind of, like you said, female-friendly comics. So, ex- Well, I would say that's the main no, thing. I would say that was the initial... What that was your initial idea. What, I, what, I, what attracted me to the whole thing, because once I figured out what was going on, mm. I'm like, oh, well, this is kind of not right yeah. you know mm. but since then and, and ab- absolutely being a woman in comics people automatically assume well you're a woman in comics therefore you're female friendly I, I like to think I'm female friendly yes you know but you know now my main main motivation uh, yeah I guess so it's not just making it female friendly yeah. but making a presence and showing that you can do it mm. you know as a woman especially at my in my advanced years <laughs> you know so. I, th- I think that's a real, you're a real strong role model for creators now in this industry, like right. young create, female creators going. Well, not just into... female creators, no, 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 but no, I noticed no, that because I have two kids, and there's a lot of stay-at-home dads with two kids, or more, mm. or less, I don't yeah. know, who are like, well, what, what, where's my career going to go now? And I, I get it from anyone, both men and women, it's like dealing with this parenthood thing and also doing the career pivot and doing, doing just doing anything mm. is um, a challenge. So where I get most feedback is generally, well, where, what sucks up most of my time is usually one of my classmates who is very unhappy with their current job mm-hmm. sees my write-up in the alumni bulletin and is like, oh, I would love to do what you want to do. And then they find out how much I can pay them. And then just like, <laughs> um, but there is definitely a lot of interest just in how to, how to approach what they view as being extremely risky, again, mm-hmm. so late in life to try to do something different. That's no, really. I think it's. I think it's amazing, and and, I, and that's what this convention is all about. It's cons are for everybody, comics are for everybody. Yes. You know, we we have to make them inclusive and diverse and and accessible to, especially to young people who are you know who you know spend their lives on tablets and right, you know. Right. On well, computers. you <laughs> excuse me. Yeah. You would think so, but I think some people don't want that to happen. No, of course right? they don't. No, no. Uh, but for the most part, I think your average person, especially that your average parent, is very interested. I get mm. a lot of. Parents who are like, you know, shepherding their kids along. Oh, read some comics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and that's why we, uh, you know, uh, we've got various kind of workshops today going. You know, get the kids being creative, drawing, writing, be mm-hmm. using that kind of that talent and that imagination to to kind of open that potential and, and to maybe pursue career in comics and maybe pursue reading them and continuing that that industry because the comic book industry does struggle. You know, if you compare this to something like, you know, the Marvel movies that are doing very well, but and they're based on comics, but nobody nobody really reads the comics that much anymore. Is that do you think do you think there's do you think there's a way that we can get people to, to gravitate more to the comics than kind of all that other kind well, of entertainment? It's it's very labor intensive that pretty much any kid or adult who's exposed to comics gets into it. Mm. But it's the exposure that's lacking. So mm. I just did a um, last weekend I was in Winnipeg, Canada. Did two school visits, 120 kids. Most of them had seen the movies, but hadn't really read comics. You know, I just showed them. I was literally showing them because Betty and Veronica uh, Vampirella read Sonia crossover that just came out Wednesday. So I was showing them the pages before it was printed. So uh, first of all, I told them that they're getting a sneak preview. (laughs) (laughs) But they liked it, you know, because I showed them. I think that's that's it. Is just you have to bring it to them. If you give it to <laughs> you do because everything else is force fed to us now you know entertainment wise you know if you have to work 
to go find a comic, you're just, I mean, I don't blame people. Mm. You know, you have to have the interest to do that. And the only way you get that interest now, I think, is being exposed to a storyline that's on screen. You're like, oh, I'd like to read it as a yeah. comic. And I think that is helping out a lot. Mm. You know, Walking Dead, uh, obviously, was a t- it was a comic before the TV show. Mm. Walking Dead is now one of the best-selling comics because people have gone from the TV show back to reading the comics. And again, I think Walking Dead's very different from the TV. It diverges quite a fair bit, so it's not like they're reading the same story again. But there's no question that that growth, because I think Walking Dead probably sold all of a couple thousand when it first started, or, or even less, possibly. That growth is absolutely attributable to the TV show. You cannot argue it any other way. No. That's not like organic growth because people are like, oh, we love Walking Dead so much we keep buying it, you know? Whereas something like Saga is very also very clearly word of mouth that mm. people are picking that story up. So Yeah, Brian, I, I love Brian K. Vaughan. Oh, amazing, yeah. amazing writer. One of Great my favorites. writer. Love Why the, Why the Last Man as well. Incredible, incredible read. Um, so let's let's talk about. I mean, for the people that may not know, what kind of kind of what are the kind of the big books or the big characters that you've had the honor of working on? Well, so I've written quite a lot now. Mm. Um, I like I think I mentioned my first my first real byline, my DC byline. I wrote a, a Wonder Woman story, and I didn't screw it up. So I got more work <laughs> from that. Uh, from there, I essentially went right to um, getting uh, my first miniseries, which is Poison Ivy. And it, the timeline is as such, basically. I started 2011, uh, essentially not knowing anything about con- I spent the entire 2011 going to conventions, meeting people, meeting artists, learning about the business. I took a bunch of online classes because I didn't know anything. I, I knew zero. In fact, I knew so little, I did not know whether Wonder Woman was DC or Marvel. This was 2011. I'd be perfectly frank. Yeah. You know, and you can call me a fake geek girl, but I, you know, I've evolved. 2011, <laughs> uh, what, what was annoying to me is that I took this online class where it's about writing. But I think that a number, first of all, I'm the only woman in, the, in this online class. I, and like I just confessed to you, we keep it within this room, yeah. about my severe lack of knowledge. Before the class even started, they were arguing about something about Martian Manhunter, <laughs> who I didn't even know who that was. They were arguing viciously about Martian Manhunter. I don't. I, I had to Wikipedia everything, everything, <laughs> while they were talking. Class has not even started. But to me, it's not about the fandom. It's about you have. To, I'm there to learn about writing a story. So I have to say, a, a couple of guys have actually made it. Yeah. Most of them have washed out because they're fans. They didn't really want to write. Yeah. They wanted to talk about Martian Manhunter. So when it came time to do the assignment, and the assignment is write a five-page script. Now, of course, no one tells me that writing a five-page script is actually quite difficult. Doing a beginning, middle, and end in five pages for comics is very, very hard. I did it, and so, of course, they were like, well, let's talk about Amy's story. Because I completed, and this is, this is what you have to do when you're working professionally, is you have to complete it and to complete it within five pages. Now, I would say at least a handful of other guys were like, well, we did it, but we couldn't fit it into five pages. So here's our 20 pages, yeah. here's our whatever. Yeah. Like, that's not the assignment. You don't get to do that. It has to be within that amount of physical real estate. So I did it, and people wanted to talk about my story. I'm like, well, that's ridiculous, because I'm actually not here for me. I'm here for my friend. Yeah. I'm not a writer. I write business plans. I will write a PowerPoint for you. I will do your uh, discounted cash flow, your whatever you need. I will do that, but I don't write fiction. Um, but I did my assignment, and apparently I wrote fiction, and people liked it. Because I was like, okay, five pages, what do you do with that? 
So I did a story, a science fiction story, about essentially a hostage rescue in the future that involves a cat <laughs> in five pages. And, and of course, the reveal, because I love Twilight Zone, Black Mirror, the reveal is that the hostage was a cat, and that's supposed to be the funny part. <laughs> and people liked it. So I'm like, awesome. I just yeah. wrote fiction. And then it became this whole thing. As the year went, I'm like, you know, I wrote it. I should just, I should make it into a comic. So I got an artist. Artist drew it. Uh, there's also another story behind that too, because I am so clueless. Because uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to hustle my friend's comic. I'm talking to all these other people, and obviously, everyone in my class knows who everyone is except me. So we're at New York Comic Con, and I'm just like doing my thing because I am a salesperson for the most part. You know, I need to sell this convention. I need to sell your yeah. comic. I can do that. I don't really sell myself very well. But so, so a guy walks up and he's like, oh, hey, so what do you got? So exciting. He's like, well, um, I'm a friend of your instructor. I hear you actually write too. I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't really. So meanwhile, this little crowd forms, right? And I see my classmates running up like this. It's the Batman editor. I didn't know who he was. He's like talking, hands me his card. Yeah, well, you know, when you get ready, send me something. Never published me, but... You know, I was super nice to him, and I, didn't, I just didn't know. But I think that's also critical, because guys like that, you know, they're just trying to go to the washroom and somebody's trying to pitch him. I didn't yeah. know. No. You know, so I was just talking to him like a regular person, which they quite like. They do not like to be pitched on Batman. You've never done a single thing in your life, and you're pitching Batman to him. You know, he's tired of that. I know this, because now I know him. And so, so that's when I hustled and got an artist, once I realized who he was, and I sent it to him. And like I said, he never hired me. But, you know, I'm not a psychopath. I'm not, you know. <laughs> it's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a bar you have to cross to be a professional that you're not some, you know, flake or psychopath. Yeah. And then once you get past that, then you're like, okay, maybe you're hired. You said it was Wonder Woman was the first. Was the first yes. So it was yeah, so I got hired Wonder Woman. Now, I like to think that he basically said, oh, yeah, she's fine. Mm. Possibly. Or possibly not. Yeah. Who knows? Um, the, re the way I got the Wonder Woman story is because <coughs> by then I had self-published a bunch of stuff. So people kind of knew me just from self-publishing. And I'm also notorious because I'm at every single convention now trying to hustle myself. <laughs> right? Uh, and when I say notorious, it's, um, you know, again, I'm coming from the business side where I'm used to networking in just about everything. Pharmaceutical, biotech, anything. I know how to talk to people. So now it's comics. So what I realize at Comic-Cons, and what comic professionals don't know how to do, this happens every single time, that um, it, I, do, you, do you all go to conventions? Have you all been to conventions? You know what happens? When the show ends, all the people pack up, and then they need to eat. And not one single person knows how to make a dinner reservation, apparently. <laughs> Everybody wants to go. And next thing you know, you got 20 artists, and where should we go? I don't know. They end up going to a place, and they wait three hours to finally get seated. Now, it doesn't take a university degree to make a dinner reservation, but for every convention, three months in advance, I would make sure I had a large group dinner reservation. Even though I'm nobody, I'm the only one with the reservation. So my first couple of shows, I'd be like, oh, so here's my comic. Oh, you guys are looking for... I have a dinner reservation, so they got to tolerate me. <laughs> so I became known as the woman with the dinner reservations, and that's how I broke it. <laughs> Sounds like almost like a, a kind of actor trying to hustle, hustle an audition or something like well, that. Well, you have almost. to figure out what you're good at. Mm. That's the thing. You know, you may not be good at doing dinner reservations. Somebody else tried to do this, and they were not good at it, <laughs> and it did not work. You don't want to do that. You have to figure out what you're good at. I'm good at not only making the re reservation, but getting everyone there and getting everyone there on time. Because mm. I used to do a lot of events management, too. 
So rounding up everybody, getting them there, and making sure you order and everyone's happy is a whole nother skill. Mm. But I can do that. I like to think I'm a good writer too, but you have to <laughs> have more than that. You know, because there's a lot of good writers. No, of course, of course. But it sounds like you have the the business background, the business acumen that has, you know, it's gravitated to you to where you are now. Well, also, I'm old, so I didn't have a lot of time. (laughs) You know, your average time to break into anything, well, in comics, they say about 10 years. So I did it in five, largely because fear of death, you know, (laughs) too old. Um, so, So you worked on... Poison Ivy. I've, I've not. I bought the book off you earlier. Uh, I've not read you it. You haven't I'm, read it yet. I've not read it. I've not read it. But I'm very <laughs> looking forward to it. Um, so was that your first kind of? That was my first book. First proper book. Yeah, 2016. Okay. So 2014, I think, was Wonder Woman. 2015, there was actually I, I was supposed to do another Vertigo book, but if you remembered that time, Vertigo went yeah, through a bunch it went of kind of yeah. Yeah. So uh, I ended up getting Poison Ivy. So that was 2016. And how much, how did that feel to you? I know you're not, again, you weren't like a comic book fan from, from an early age, but that, I mean, that's, an, Poison Ivy's a name. Oh, yeah, that, that, that was huge validation. Also incredibly stressful, because uh, I've never written that much in my life. Mm. You know, everything, I'd, I had gotten into this, um, doing the short stories was kind of my jam. I really enjoyed it. You know, because I did the five pages, I'm like, oh, I can do the five pages. I know how this works, you know. <laughs> a lot of people don't start off with five pages. So for them to get down to five pages is really quite difficult. It, it is actually difficult for me to go from five to 20 because the average comic book now is 20 pages. Yeah. So I, And then all of a sudden I have 120 pages to write. That was a whole other thing. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, arc, the arc, obviously, between five pages, is, is, there's a huge, there's an arc. But then you've got to extend that arc and you've got to... Well, it's just different types of stories that fit within that. Mm-hmm. You know, you cannot, you know, I, by the way, I studied architecture. That's, my background's not writing at all. Um, I, have a, I have a degree in East Asian Studies, Architectural Design, and I have an MBA. So that's my background, uh, which, weirdly enough, like, you obviously don't need to have that, but it does weirdly enough come into play and help mm. in some different ways yeah. every now and then. Well, again, it's uh, transferable skills, really. Isn't right. It? So yeah. what, what, what happened was, because I was trying to figure out why I like writing comics so much, it's not really writing like prose. I studied architecture, so I think visually. I'm a visual designer. So when I write, it's much easier for me to write because I don't write p- prose. You know, And that's not, a comic script is not prose. A comic script is a set of directions, visual directions to the artist. Uh, so it's an entirely different style of writing, and it's a very abbreviated kind of writing. So, And I've written many years of PowerPoint, which, again, is extremely abbreviated. So, you know, almost any book that you pick up, especially from a new prose writer, you're going to see a ton of prose. I don't write like that because that's not the way I train. So if anything, I err on the side of too short. Too short. You'd rather do... Well, what I do, I write off. silently first. I will, okay. I will write it... So that it's it should work as a silent comic first, and then I do a layer. So, so what? So explain <laughs> explain to us from start to beginning. You've you've just been given a job, um, you know, poison ivy or what have you. Uh, what's your process to completion? Okay. Uh, well, I'll tell you right now because I'm working on. I'm a little late. I'm working on uh, Betty and Veronica meet Vampirella Red Sonia mm-hmm. number three right now. Number one just came out Wednesday. And apparently it sold really well, so I had already done the outline for five issues, and they want six. Ah. Six, yeah. So I had already written issue two, so for me to do this without you guys figuring out what's going on is um, I have to sort of, I think I have to kill an extra person in this issue. 
So I'm, I'm doing that right now. Um, so my You're process, currently murdering someone. Yeah, uh, no, I, actually, I take it back. Well, I'm murdering someone, but I, I'm throwing in an extra person who's going to be in a coma. Okay. So that already, that already, you already know it's going to take a few more yeah, pages, yeah. right? Stretches it, yeah. So, so my process is this. I mean, I just told you what's happening. Cause this is work for hire. This is not if I just came up with, you know, it's an entirely different process in this mind. But if this is a job for which I'm getting paid for, in this case it is, the initial pitch has already been approved. But the individual issue I'm, I'm writing right now is I, I should have brought it with me. Um, so the process is when your laptop runs out of battery and you don't have the proper adapter in the country you're in, then you pull out the notebook. So I'm writing analog. <laughs> Normally I would do it on my laptop, but it literally died while I was sitting out there. So now I have a notebook. And what I do, because almost every issue um, is 20 pages, so I will just outline. For, well, first I do... I do is I break it by scene. So every story that you do, again, it's real estate, you know, it's like building a house. I have 20 pages. Every scene is going to be roughly, let's say, four to five pages. So I break it down by scene first. So in this case, I've got four scenes, because uh, now i got to throw in uh, somebody in a coma in a hospital. You can't just, like, have one panel in the hospital. you got to have enough going on so there's a hospital. So I break it down by scene and location because sometimes you forget where everyone is. And it gets very, very confusing. This is the first triple crossover I've done. So people are all over the place. And if you're a fan of Benny and Veronica, but not Vampirella Red Sonia or vice versa, you want to make sure your character's in there. So it requires a lot of thinking. It's a little bit of a Tetris. So I take those scenes, I figure out what's going on in the scenes, just really high level. And then I write the numbers down the side of the paper, one, two, three, four, five, all the way to 20 and then I figure out what's going to go on each page. Now for me, what's important to me, because I know as a reader, what's important to me is that it's not that I don't care about the start, and I, I see this happen with a lot of people who are just starting to write. They're so focused on the beginning, and they keep rewriting the beginning, and they never get to the end. I always start with the end, because if I don't have the end, where am I going? I don't know where I'm going. Not everyone does this. I had this discussion with Larry Hama, the G.I. Joe guy. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. He was yeah. legendary. He says, and this is mind-boggling to me because I could never do this, but I think it's also because he's worked so long in the business. He says he just rolls it out like a carpet. He'll start with a story, and he'll just keep going, and he'll just let the story go where it goes. I'm like, whoa, I need to know where it's going, especially if it's a murder mystery, right? Yeah. So I will write the end. I will write page 20 first. No, I will write page 1 first, page 20, and then I work my way in. Okay. Because worst case, if you do it that way, you get a kind of muddy, mushy middle. If the reader is invested enough in the beginning, they'll work through that. And if you're rewarded with a strong ending, that's what you're going to remember as a reader, and you walk away and you're like, cool. Yeah. But if you do a lame ending, as you see, it doesn't even have to be comics, TV, movies, where you just got so invested and the ending is kind of lit, right? It's kind of disappointing. You forget how well it started. So so that's my strategy. you got to say Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, so... Oh, dear. <laughs> Somebody's not happy. <laughs> right, so that's what I'm saying, right? So you don't even remember what happened in the middle, but you do remember what happened in the end, right? Yeah. And that's what's important to me, that you're like, whoa, okay. Yeah, you kind of you kind of forget, or you're like, well, you know, it's like you said, it's the important start, an important end. And I think that is, that is true. That is what you remember, I think. You remember the beginning and the ending. Not so you know, ideally you want to do a good story all throughout. Yeah, sure, but yeah. Um, I think we can open it up for some questions. Oh, okay. You guys want to, you want to ask some questions? 
No, nobody wants to ask questions. No. <laughs> Go on, Mike. Uh, how would you recommend to get children into comics with titles they may not have just seen from films and stuff like that? Because you write books like Kiss. Yeah. Now, I'm familiar with the band, but how would I introduce books like that to children that may not be... So well, that's a good question. Kiss, actually, again, uh, that's a title where I work really hard to make it family-friendly because I figure by now, Kiss fans are parents and they got kids. So I made it deliberately very family-friendly. Having said that, it's been really hard to get kids into it because the parents assume that it's not family-friendly. I'm like, no, 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 actually, yeah. I made it family-friendly. So it, it's a lot of time and effort because as soon as I explain how the process of how the story comes together, then people get interested. Um, not my kids. My kids have read so many comics, they're just sort of... They claim they don't even read comics. I'm like, you read, there's comics all over the house. So they're like, yeah, but we don't really read them. Like, you read my scripts and you read... So they read comics. They do read comics. Yeah. They just don't think they're reading them for some reason. But the, the difference is, and I think that it really depends on the kid, too, because there's so much competing for their attention. The difference with comics, and depends, again, on the child, it, and why it's so good for, I think, education is... It's self-paced, so kids can read it at their own pace, whereas everything else, for the most part, they're just sitting there just taking it in. It's very hard for them to control the pace and whatever else is going on, whereas comics, if you can get them to open the comic, that's when they get engaged, because now they can go back and forth, they can read at the, you know, what they want, and they can also single out what's interesting to them. So this is like the real challenge. Once they get it open and start reading, then it's a whole nother story. I think that's when the kid gets engaged, which is why doing the school visits, I would literally walk them through how the page started from thumbnail, from script to thumbnails to the inks, colors, letters. It's like magic. You know, you don't really get to see that. You can't even see that with computer games because you don't see coding going on. Who wants to see the coding? But what we do is very tangible. You know, I'm explaining to them who does what. You put it all together. It's like layers coming together like magic. So. I think some kids think things just come fully formed, don't they? <laughs> some just adults come, think it just yeah. <laughs> Just there. It's just there. It's always been there. Nobody yeah. working on it. Yeah. I think it's the trick, though, for a parent, though, is knowing what's good for your kid. Because sometimes you can't tell. You open something up. Like even my Red Sonia. Like, so if you see the script for my Red Sonia, um, it's nothing. It's just like a, 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 a warrior with a sword. You know, but then the very first page, the artist draws her, and, like, she's got butt. You know, she's got very, it's cute. But at the same time, like, whoa, 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 that was not in the script. I didn't say, <laughs> let's have her chainmail flying up so you can see her bare ass, right? That was not in the script. That is the artist. So it is a collaboration. You know, there's a lot of stuff that you don't know what's in the script and what's what the artist puts in. You will just never know. Sometimes it could be very well that I was drunk at a convention at 11 o'clock in the morning and I just wrote one line and the artist has to make it up. Or I could have written five paragraphs trying to explain that you should show her bare ass. You just don't know who's responsible for what. In this case, I was not responsible for the bare ass. <laughs> okay. I think it's beautifully rendered, but it changes the whole tone, right? So I don't know where I was going with that. Oh, family-friendly. <laughs> family-friendly stuff, yeah. So you just don't know, and I also don't know. So you sometimes have to, like, check... Always read the comics before you pass them on to, depending on what the age range is. And we do, they do have age, uh, kind of they mature, do, they're meaningless. teen, yeah. Meaningless, meaningless. Have you seen the new Catwoman book, uh, book they brought out for DC Inc? It, it comes out in the DC Inc range, which is aimed at kind of like mid and young teens. <laughs> right. And then there's warnings on the back of it for self-harm, animal abuse, and stuff like that. So we're handing it to parents, like, it's okay. It's aimed at these range, and they're like, 
animal abuse. Yeah. This is it. It's very hard to sell it to some parents. Yeah, right? it's very it's very hard to sell in general. Um, so and it's also very hard to find. I don't know because I'm old. I'm kind of fuddy duddy. I was kind of like you know like other people are like oh it's, we don't care. I'm like oh all right I don't know. Um, but yeah, so I actually ended up changing the script halfway through. Did, have you all read this yeah. run? Has anyone read this run? Not, no. not personally, no, but I'm oh, definitely okay. going to well, look. So people really think it's very funny because, you know, again, my script reads just straight up. She's mm. fighting, she's doing all these things, not exactly what she was wearing. So I had to change it a little bit because uh, this is, if, if anyone remembers the Marvel team-up, 1978 Spider-Man, where she comes goes through a portal, ends up in New York. This is a little bit of a riff on that because when okay. she did that one issue, she goes back. She didn't even know she was in New York. I'm like, she should stay in New York, you know. Conan did the same thing. Mm. Conan was wandering around New York like an idiot, like a tourist. <laughs> like, where am I? What am I doing? I'm like, if I were Red Sonia, she landed in New York. She wouldn't care. It's just another magical land. She's just gonna slay, right? She's smarter. <laughs> so, so I did that. So what I told the artist that I forgot to put in the script was. Actually, it's winter, and it's snowing, so she's going to need a jacket. <laughs> so I started putting in that stuff. Because, I mean, he does it so beautifully, and I didn't want to offend him. You know, again, he, he draws Red Sonia beautifully, but I'm like, she's going to need a jacket. She's going to ride a motorcycle. You can't ride a motorcycle on your bare ass, so she's going to need pants. <laughs> so, so you know, mysteriously, all that disappeared later on. But, you know, I did. I was able to do that for a while. How collaborative are you with your artists? <coughs> Is it a case of scripting? Let them it depends. Um, if I already know, I consider, I was just talking to John Royal over lunch, and, um, you know, he, I'm, I'm pretty sure he'll want to work. Because with anyone who's worked, of course, a lot of people have worked much longer in this business than me. If you know what you're doing, I'm not going to be like, make sure that her chain mail is covering her butt or whatever, you know. I'm going to let them do, well, this is what happened. I let them do as they do. But there's not a lot of collaboration normally. First of all, you don't necessarily know which artists you're going to work with, and they're usually in a different country, and we're all on deadlines. If I know the person, then um, we'll try to collaborate a little bit more, um, like uh, Maria Sanapo for this current uh, Betty and Veronica. I do know her socially, so my notes are a little bit more conversational. Oh, hey, you know, if you want, do this, but if you don't like it, go ahead and do this other thing. You know, um, so and I kind of know what she likes to draw, so I will tailor that script for her. Um, now, but my script style in general is not tight at all because I know that different artists will do a different job on it, and I want to see when it comes back. I will adjust my script to what they drew, and that that's super important because it's very hard to say. Now, just draw, redraw the whole thing. That's not what I envision at all. It's it's rarely works, and it's not good. And some some writers are very top down that way, where you're like, okay, that's no, that's for me. It, it has to be a certain collaboration. The artist has a vision. It comes back unless it's explicitly wrong. In one case, um, so I'm also writing the Kiss comic right now. The artist somehow missed a panel, but he he saw the mistake before, you know, and he and he fixed it. But when I saw the page, I'm like, something is wrong. He for, he forgot to draw a panel. And that's an important B panel because some of the hardest things to do in comics is showing motion because you can't. There's no motion, right? But you have to somehow, getting someone from ground floor to the top of the building in the elevator is surprisingly hard, if you think of that, right? There's no motion. He skipped the part where all of a sudden they're in the elevator, you know? And yeah. then it's like, and they're, out, they're out of, outside of the elevator. You need a, you need an inset panel or something yeah. that indicates the motion part. You need, a, you need a beat, don't you? You need a beat. You need either something that shows a panel display of 
floor one to floor five or outside. You have to, these are the tricks that you need to, to do that because you can't just show like you can in video mm. that it's happening. It's kind of it's kind of like it's, it's like being an animator, but without having the the motion involved. There's several different. Yeah, it's hundred. it's basically writing. It's like haiku storytelling. You have to figure out what's important to get the story across. Yeah, it's I mean it's visual visual storytelling. Which is why I, I really like this. Finest, you yeah. know, because you really have to think hard how to do it. Uh, any other questions, guys? Yeah. Um, what was your first script that you kind of learned how to write a comic book script? Did you do movie scripts, or was it? No, straight up, straight up comics. Straight up comics. Yes, yeah, I would. I've never written anything besides comics. Okay. Which, Except now, now I have done TV animation. Which comic scripts did you kind of look at as a kind of a ballpark as to kind of like framing? Uh, I don't really, because um, I was taking that class. Because again, I was like, okay, I'm not going to spend five years of my life trying to figure this out. There's a what did I do? I don't really look specifically at other scripts. In all honesty. Um, when I started writing, I was just trying to learn what the toolkit is for writing, what the format was. And then I think, I of course, you read your other uh, classmates' scripts. And then, oh, I know what I read. Okay, so there's two books, uh, the Alan Moore essay on how to write comics. Great book. And then I read a couple other, how to write comics. That's what I read. There's a couple of those out. Uh, the one that I highly recommend is the one that Greg Pak and Fred Van Lente wrote. Because it's very practical. Not only does it talk to you about how to write, it's also how to do your table, how to, you know, self-publish, do all that stuff. I, I absolutely read other scripts. The problem with other scripts is they range so wildly in style that, like I said, I write specifically for the artists. I don't write for you to read my, to learn how to write. So it, it's all over the place. Yeah. So it's I, Go on. I just pity the poor bastard that <laughs> picks up Alchemist Asylum. <laughs> and re 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 reads that Grant Morrison script and goes, all oh, yeah, right, so, so this so is how you write scripts. That's why I stopped it. doing that, because I tried that. And I'm like, everyone writes differently, and everyone's got a different format. This is not helping me. Yeah, and it, you, it's a guideline for the artists. It's get, the, the really, ultimately, if you could just do a mind mill with the artist, you don't even need the script, right? That's yeah. really what it comes down to. The script is not something for you to show off how clever you are. The script is really a blueprint for the artist and the artist team to work off. Uh, any other questions? Yes. Is there a character that you'd like to write that you've not written so far? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, so so as a woman in this business, I'm almost always given the female character to write, and almost always the sexy female character with no agency. So I'm like the turnaround specialist. You know, we have something like Valiant gives me Lady Sana because she's getting married, but she has no backstory. Take four pages, see if you can give her a background. You know, that's the kind of stuff I get almost always is something like that where, you know, I'm a lady, surely I can make it into something more. Um, so finally I get Green Hornet. I like Green Hornet. And they're like, well, can you make her make Green Hornet a woman? <laughs> <laughs> so I will take any male character at this point. I've done Deadpool only because the um, editor was a woman. She's like, you need to write a male character. And then... Um, I've written an Ant-Man story. Again, female editor is like, hey, you know, you need to write a male character. So, so, any, so pretty much any male character. I will take any male character. Yeah. Any. So, so is there anyone that you, you'd gravitate more towards? Well, uh, speaking practically in this business, you know, because I've written for Marvel and DC, that is like accreditation, okay? So I also, which helps me not at all. I, my MBA is from Harvard. When you have an MBA from Harvard, that puts you at a certain level in business. It doesn't help you in comics, right? But when you write for Marvel in DC, that helps you get other work. 
So, of course, I would like to write Batman, because as soon as I write Batman, you know, that's like saying something. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, I don't necessarily care, in all honesty, interesting character. I like Green Hornet better than Batman, and now I've written Green Hornet. But I will write Batman because that is, that will change the economics of me as a writer. I think we've got time for one last question. Yes. And how do you keep motivated? Spite. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because again, it's like, no, it's that's not true. It's only half spite. Half of it is because I do think people have come up to me and said that they're very inspired by my story, that I can do this, and I didn't have a background in it. The other half of me is like, you know, when I was in that class, and they're lovely guys, but they're kind of like, what are you doing? You know, girls don't really write comics. So it's still like a kind of continued spite just to say, well, okay, I've done that and more. So I was really actually just trying to get a Marvel or DC credit. I kind of overshot, you know. I didn't really mean to actually do this full time and do it. You know, but now I do it, and um, I'm only partially motivated out of spite because of that. It's, you know, because also the other thing that happened is when I started doing it, I'm like, oh, I really love this. You know, this is the first time. I write stuff and people respond to my creative content. So I have an ex-boyfriend who had an anthology. It's like a, you know, he was doing a, a, an anthology of comics. He had always wanted to be in comics. He was not in comics. So he was doing an anthology. So I was like, you know, we were friendly, but he was doing the anthology. It's like, oh, you know, can I do a story? And he turned me down. He turned me down. And I'm like, really? What is that? So... Um, so I, he said no, and so I came back um, with his favorite childhood creator, Larry Hama. And I said, did you know, actually, that Larry's drawing my story? And then he was like, oh, well, in that case, because uh, he'd always wanted to work with Larry Hama. So, so I am fueled, in general, by spite and revenge, and it seems to work. So as long as I can keep doing that, I will keep doing that. And on that note, I think we'll have to end there. <laughs> Thank you for all your spite and revenge. Give Amy Chu a big round of applause.